Well, well, well. We meet again. It is week three of the NFL season. We are nearing the end of September, and it, guys, it's going too fast. It's going too fast. We need to slow it down. Reset the clock. So to slow it down, we're going to take you back to the end of week two, and we're going to give you a very, very solid recap. We have a lot coming at you. Today is unedited and raw. That's going to be the name of the episode. <laughs> unedited and raw. Unedited and raw. As our producer, Spencer Blinn, uh, got married last weekend. Congratulations to Spencer. And he is currently on his honeymoon. So we are doing the uh, moral thing. And we're not bothering him with this podcast to edit. But we have some things for you today. We have, we're going to change up a little bit. We're not going to do segments because we can't. So, uh, <laughs> and I guess we'll, we'll go part one. We're going to go, we're going to do uh, our weekly spotlight. We're going to highlight certain players and teams instead of going over game to game. And then we're going to go into our part two, which is going to be breaking down some of the games. We're going to break down four games. We're going to break down, um, in no particular order, we're going to break down Ravens Chiefs. We're going to break down Titans Seahawks. We're going to break down Cardinals Vikings. And we're going to break down uh, Cowboys Chargers, I think was the other one, John? Yes. Cowboys Chargers. So then we're going to break down that. And then in segment three, we are going to continue with our fantasy sleepers and busts and our game picks. So get your seatbelts ready. It's a new intro today because ours is not here. Are you ready? Run the tape, Joe. Run the tape. Whoa. Oh, boy. It's Perfect Spiral coming at you. The boys are back. We're ready to rock. And the football season's ready to hit you in the mouth. It's John McCarthy. And it's Joe Miglio. And the PSP boys are hitting you with some knowledge. It's Perfect Spiral, everybody. Buckle your seats. Fasten your seatbelts. Put that gear in drive. And go zero to 60 in three seconds with the boys from the Isle of Satin. All right. How'd you like that? That was very loud. That was good. (laughs) That's so funny because we had to think of something. We did. It's all. It's guaranteed. It's awful, but God, it's fine. God damn it, Spencer! Guaranteed. Why are you it's awful. Your home, home I know, honeymoon? right? How's everybody doing today? Um, I am Joe Miglio, and I always have my uh, co-host John McCarthy. John, how are we doing on this fine Wednesday evening? I'm doing pretty good, Joe. Doing all right. Out. Yeah. Me and John are both licking our wounds from our team's second consecutive losses this week. John's was in very. Uh, uh, Heartbreaking fashion on oh, Sunday. Did I tell you what I did? Oh, I told you I went full Joe Miglio and yeah. they lost. I ended up just my everyone was outside, like there's people outside, the windows were open, and all of a sudden I just screamed fuck as yeah. loud as I possibly could. Not good. My team, you know, we, we're improving. Uh last week we didn't have a lead at all in week one. Uh and today we led for almost a half. Wow. So, you know, I think by week four we'll be ready to win a ball game. So that's <laughs> Progress. We're moving in Weekly, the right direction. Slow, slow, slow but steady wins the race. Um, guys, as always, 
Before we get into it today, please do not forget to follow, subscribe, and uh, rate us um, on anywhere you find your podcast. John's dropped his phone, but it's fine. <laughs> on uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, Pandora, anywhere you get your podcast. You guys have been great. We've been increasing every single week since the pod, uh, since fantasy football season has started, and we love to all the feedback. Uh, that you guys have given us so far, and the interaction on social media has been even better, outstanding than expected. John, yes, John. week two, big week. I think some trends are starting to set. Not gonna lie, uh, and I think that there are some things that we could even make assumptions about, even though we're only about to hit the third week of the season. So instead of recapping every single game. Right. What we're gonna do is I'm just gonna quickly give I'm just gonna quickly run through the the scores of last week. Yes. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna do our weekly spotlight where we're gonna highlight certain players, certain teams. Uh I'm just gonna talk about them for a couple of minutes before we get into our big segment, which is the weekly recap of certain games. So just to start off from the top, uh Broncos defeated the Jaguars twenty three to thirteen in Jacksonville. Green Bay Packers won at home over the Detroit Lions 35-17 on Monday night. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens defeated the Kansas City Chiefs 36-35 on Sunday Night Football, which was a thrilling game. Uh, you have the Titans defeating the Seahawks 33-30 on the road in Seattle, which was a big win, a must-needed win for the, for the Titans. Cardinals edged out the Vikings 34-33 at home for their home opener. Cowboys kicked their way past the Chargers 20-17 in L.A., Buccaneers thwarted the Falcons 48-25. Bills blanked the Dolphins 35-0. Panthers stomped on the Saints 26-7. Raiders defeated the Steelers 26-17 in Pittsburgh. 49ers throttled the Eagles 17-11. Browns dog-pounded the Texans. I don't even know, 31-21. Patriots embarrassed the Jets 25-6. Rams over the Colts, 27-24. Uh, Bears got by the Bengals, 20-17. And the Washington football team skated by the Giants, 30-29. So that is your those are your scores for week two. A couple of things you want to highlight. I know John is eager to start in our own backyard today. John, you have a thought about the Giants, and in particular, Daniel Jones. All right, so here's what I was thinking, right? <clears throat> and literally, this thought came to my head right before the pod. So there's this, the big question mark this year with the Giants, right, is is Daniel Jones the guy, right? And all Giants fans, they'll all say, like, is Daniel Jones the guy? Is he the guy? We don't know, blah, blah, You know, that, that's just been the common theme, right? Right. Here's the thing. If I'm a Giants fan, I dealt with 500 ball for the entire length of Eli Manning's career. Yeah, but you won two Super Bowls. You did. Daniel Jones is only in his third season. Granted, he's never had a proper offensive line. No. They just recently got him weapons. Right. Last year, he was out without his number one running back, and his number one running back is back and runs scared right now. I think that if I'm the Giants, I play the long game with this. You have a fifth-year option on him. He has all the tools to be a good quarterback. Granted, he needs to hold on to the football. He needs to not fumble, but... When you had Eli Manning, Eli Manning threw like arid interceptions constantly. 
Like, we're not talking about Eli Manning being this world-beating quarterback. Like, he was an all-pro, pro. Listen, he made a couple of Pro Bowls. He played 500 ball, and you lived with it. Who's to say Daniel Jones can't be that guy? Like, who's to say down the road he can't still, he can't be Eli Manning? You get what I'm saying? Like, he's never had, he hasn't had an offensive line yet, and they just got him weapons. And truthfully, let's be let's be completely frank. They should have won that game against Washington. Yes. If Slayton doesn't drop that ball. Galladay also Should have been a better throw, yeah. but go ahead. Galladay had two pretty bad drops also. I'm going to say this. I agree with you to an extent. I mean, the, you can't compare Daniel Jones to Eli Manning because Eli won two Super Bowls. You can't. I'm talking about early in their career. Right, early in their career. Eli, what is first year? 2003, I think? 03. 03. He was in the 03 draft class. And they made the playoffs in 05 and 06, I think. I don't know if you want to check that. I'm going to check right now because I actually... But, you know, they won the Super Bowl in 2007, 2011. So that's four years into his... Four years into Eli's career, they won a Super Bowl. This is Daniel Jones's third season. Can you honestly tell me that Daniel Jones has improved at the pace that Eli Manning did early in his career? Because let's be honest, Eli Manning, if you look at his career statistics, the reason his statistics are so mediocre are because of the latter part of his career. After 2011, it all went downhill. So here's the thing. I'm looking at his numbers, right? So his rookie year, he went one and six. He only started seven games. Right. Let's throw that away. His second year, he went 11-5. and five. Okay. He threw 52%. Okay. 3,700 yards, 24 touchdowns, 17 picks. Okay. The following year, he went 8-8, eight and eight, 57%, 3,200 yards, 24 touchdowns, 18 picks. And the following year, they went 10-6, 3,300 yards, 23 touchdowns to 20 picks. He led the league, and they went 10-6. and six. If Daniel Jones probably had a better team around him... See, when you're looking at that, clearly it wasn't Eli Manning that was winning the games. I mean, let's be honest. They had a good running game, and they had a good defense. But if Daniel Jones had a significantly better team around him, I think he could actually be pretty good. Does he not hold all the tools you want? Mobility? No, he he does. He does. Strength. He does. He does. He does. But the turnovers are the problem. And I don't think, you know, when you don't win, John... For you know, let's you you want to talk about let's be honest, let's be honest. If the Giants don't win the Super Bowl, if the Giants don't win the Super Bowl in 2007, I don't think Eli Manning gets a chance to be in that 2011 team. Okay, that's a nice wrinkle. Okay, I could agree with that. Okay, I don't think he gets the opportunity to be on that team because of how the numbers you just said. But the reality is, he won a Super Bowl in 07 against the near perfect Patriots, right? And that alone buys you at least five years, right? And then and then he wins a Super Bowl in 2011, and that buys him immortality with Giant fans for the rest of his career. Because he won two. You know, I mean, there are franchises that had that don't win two Super Bowls. This guy won them in a span of five seasons. So if Daniel Jones goes eight and nine, let's say they go eight and nine this season. You see the guy next year? Depends on what his numbers are. If they're eight and nine and he's throwing for forty five hundred yards and throws twenty five touchdowns to nine interceptions, then yeah, he is. Because truthfully, the but if he's throwing nineteen touchdowns to to fourteen interceptions and he's throwing for thirty seven hundred yards at a fifty six percent completion rate, no, he's not. So the the thing with me too is that the quarterback class of this coming draft is it's not great. It's but not great. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does. In my opinion, it doesn't matter. 
you have now been at this for three years, and the Giants have gone one direction, backwards. They have not improved. That's the stigma with Daniel Jones. If he, you said, it doesn't matter what Eli did. They went from, he was 1-6 and six in his first year. Then they went to, you said, 11-5. and five. Then they went to 8-8. Eight and eight. Then they went to 10-6. and six. He didn't have a losing record in any of those seasons after his rookie year. And then he won the Super Bowl in 2007. Daniel Jones has not been even close to a 500 record in his first three seasons as quarterback of the New York Giants. But but is that before we move on from this? Is that on him or is that on organizational failure? Because it doesn't. It, it my point is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Look at Sam Darnold. That's another example right there. Was it? It's universally agreed that it was not his fault what happened to him, and yet the Jets got rid of him and they drafted another quarterback. Now he's in Carolina and they're two and zero. Doesn't matter. They're always going to blame someone. You're going to blame the... Who's the most important guy out there? The quarterback. So he's going to get blamed for it. He's going to get blamed. That's the reality of the situation. I agree. I just think people need to cut him a little bit of slack. I think so. I think I don't think he's as bad as he's playing, but, you know, uh, I I think, you know, there was an argument to be made that this game... Think about his... Okay, I'm going to... Here's the thing, too. I've been hearing all all over the radio and the TV that... The game he played on Thursday was the best game of his career since his first game that he ever played against Tampa Bay. Remember that game against Tampa yeah. Bay? Mm-hmm. Think about that statement. That was Daniel Jones this past Thursday. By a lot of people say that's his best game as a pro since the first start of his Career. Well, they ran a different offense. They ran a more up-tempo offense. They had Jason Garrett last year. But Jason Garrett, listen, that's a whole nother discussion. Well, that's a discussion that we're not going to get into today. <laughs> but It's a whole nother discussion. To me, that's not good enough. You want to improve from year to year. You do not want to go backwards from year to year. I Don't. I think that's the stigma for Giant fans. They have not seen improvement from Daniel Jones from over, so they're skeptical. over year to year. They're skeptical. That's right, nice. right. That's what I think, personally. I'm I'm not disagreeing. I just think that they need there there needs to be a little bit of slack. Like well, I'll tell you right now, if they win Sunday against Atlanta, and Jones has another strong game, he'll quiet some critics for a little while. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's that's the game. That's the game you got to win, right? That's the game you got to win. Let's transfer over to the another team that we want to talk about in our own backyard. That's the New York Jets, and I know. So, John, uh, I, I'm curious: is it the team as a whole you have an issue with, or is it just Zach Wilson? I think it's more of so this is this is an instance where I feel like this guy was put in a position to fail. I don't listen. Two of those throws could have been better throws. They were tipped, they were picked. Listen, you throw four picks and at one point you had just as many picks as incompletions. I think that's a bad look. Granted, listen, he could have been seeing ghosts. Most of these rookie quarterbacks when they go against a Belichick defense, they see ghosts. Belichick does very well against rookie quarterbacks. But the problem is that I feel like this organization was they they put this kid in a position to fail. He was a bona fide starter from the second he was drafted. There was no quarterback competition Zero. to be seen. They didn't bring in any veterans. Wait, did they bring in Joe Flacco? No, that was last year. That was last year. No veterans are brought in. Who is even his backup? There is no run game. You lost both of your tackles. And and granted, listen, he's throwing the ball. He's trying to do the best he can, but I think there's a little bit of a problem when you set this kid up where it's like, okay, you're drafted second overall from BYU. From the minute you took that hat and you put it on, you were the starting quarterback. 
Now, if you're a rookie quarterback and from the jump, and this is where I'll say that Urban Meyer and the Jaguars did great by Trevor Lawrence. They made it look like there was a competition. The Jets never made it look like there was a competition. They just said, you know what, Zach? It hasn't really served Trevor well thus far, though. I, I know. But even so, it humbles you a little bit as a rookie where it's like with Zach Wilson, it was like, oh, you're the, you're the starter. Everyone's talking about you. Oh, you're the next Aaron Rodgers. Oh, you're the next Patrick Mahomes when you played against second and third string defenses in the preseason and you look good. Well, now you're playing against starters and you don't look great. And there's no, there's nothing that, there's nothing helping you. The play calling is not suiting him. It's just not. They, they are not utilizing their running backs. Michael Carter's your best running back on your roster and you're barely using him. And you used him last game and he did pretty well. 11 for 59. Not bad. Not bad at all. So it's like, and Braxton carry. Yeah. And Braxton Barrios is getting going. Listen, you lost Makai back then. It's just, I think it's a lot on a rookie quarterback when an organization just says, here you go. I just think that there was this un. I think, and you know, the same thing happened with Jacksonville that happened to the Jets, and more specifically, Zach Wilson. You looked at, in Jacksonville's sense, you looked at Trevor Lawrence, you're like, wow, they're going to be a lot better. And then you look at Zach Wilson, you look at the preseason the kid had, you're like, wow, this kid's a real deal. Tony Romo's calling him the next Darren Rodgers. And like, there's so much hype around him. Did we forget that these, that the New York Jets were 2 and 14 last season? Did we forget that they were 0 and 13 at one point in the year? Did we forget that? No. They're a bad football team. Just like other bad football teams. And they did not go out and sign a bevy of players. They signed their biggest free agent signing was arguably Corey Davis. That does not move the needle that much. No tight end either on the roster, really, to be found. I just think it's premature to put these kids in positions where they need to succeed right away. Not everyone's Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes sat for a year. Aaron Rodgers sat for three years, and when he started, they weren't good his first season. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Peyton Manning went 3-13 and in his first season as a rookie. These rookie QBs are not ideally successful. Not everyone's Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger went to a fundamentally sound organization. And then look at Mac Jones, right? Now, I'm telling you, John, I'm telling you as straight as I could look at you right now. Okay, Mac Jones is not as physically gifted as Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or even Zach Wilson. He's not. He just went to the perfect situation. He's not as physically gifted. You're right. He went to a better team who had the most opt-outs last year for COVID. They signed a crap ton of free agents this season to make their team better. And oh, before I forget, they have the best coach in football on their roster. The guy was put in a position to succeed. I guarantee you if any one of those five quarterbacks is in New England and it's not Mac Jones, they're in the, they have the same record, maybe even better. I agree. 100% I agree. So we need to give these kids time. Yes, Wilson threw four picks against the Patriots Sunday. Do you know how many defenses Bill Belichick made look, how many rookie quarterbacks Bill Belichick made look bad over the years? Oh, it's, it's countless. It's countless, Joe. You know, and the one thing I'll say to defend Wilson, after he threw those picks, he came back in the second half and he looked a lot better. He wasn't lost the rest of the game. 
We got to give these kids a chance, right? If Justin Fields goes out there on Sunday and throws two picks and they lose to the Browns, which they're, which, you know, it's entirely possible, very, very possible. Let's not bury him. Yeah. At the same time, if he throws two touchdowns and runs for another score, let's not hype him up to be the next friggin' Dan Marino. Doesn't make sense. Putting the pressure on these kids is not the way to go. It's not the way to go. And especially in New York where everything is heightened, yep. we have to let this kid play his game. That's yeah. it. Let's see what happens. I just, you know what it is? I feel like the organization in a way, like with the Jets, it's just, it's a weird spot. And they just put countless times rookie quarterbacks are put in position to fail there. You know, and I, and it's it's sad to see, but listen, it's two games into a very, a hopefully very young career for him. So. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, I want to discuss one guy really quick in particular. We're gonna go into this game in depth a little bit, but I want to, I wanna, I just want to quickly go into this, and that's Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Now, I'll be honest, I did not watch the game on Sunday night. I was at a wedding. We both had weddings this weekend. We had, I had two. <laughs> yeah, you, you were busy. Dead. Dance moves were sick. So sick. But, but, Clyde was Hilaire is just, he's not cutting it, John. No, not at all. He's not cutting it. This kid, talk about the hype got the better of him. This kid was drafted 32nd overall last year, and he was heralded as the next Le'Veon Bell because he was going into a team that had just won the Super Bowl, and they're like, oh, my God, we got a running back who could catch and who could run. Our team's perfect because we didn't have that last year. Guess what? Andy Reid's track record of not loving to run the ball Holds true. Because they still don't run the ball. This kid lost them the game Sunday night. You trusted him to do one thing. And that was hold on to the football. And he couldn't even do that. Fumbles the ball. Recovered by Baltimore. And they win that game. This kid in the fantasy world was drafted first overall in some leagues last year. That's insane. There is way too much pressure on this kid, and he is not responding to it at all. He's not catching the ball. He's not running the football. I'm telling you right now, right now, I'm telling you right now, if this kid does not turn it up by the end of this season, I'm telling you I can see the Chiefs moving on from him. Oh, yeah, they won't pick up that option. No way. I don't like what I'm seeing from Hilaire. He's not a good football player right now. But he's here's, not. Here's the thing, Joe, in regards to Hilaire, and this is this is this is the one thing I'll say. Coming out of LSU, he was not like a burner as a runner. His game is more suited in the pass. And it's funny because Mahomes told Andy Reid and he told the organization, I want Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And it's like, all right, cool, like that's your guy. So you would think that they would have put in an offense for him. Considering, considering Andy Reid had Brian Westbrook and LaShawn McCoy at one point in Philadelphia. I understand what you're saying, but I mean... They don't use him in the pass game at all. The proof is in the pudding. Why would you throw to Hilaire when what you do works? That's true. There's no room, there's no target share for him. 
I mean, Hill and Kelsey take up what? 60% of those pass attempts? Maybe more. And Demarcus Robinson has had more of a uh, input this season. Hardman. McCall Hardman, Byron Pringle. These guys aren't world beaters by any sense, but they're producing more than Hilaire. Yeah. I just don't like what I'm seeing. He's the odd man out on the offense. I don't like what I don't like what I'm seeing at all. I really don't. Let's move on to uh, a couple more things here before we move on to our segment of recapping the games. Uh, John, I know you wanted to quickly talk about the Steelers really quick. I do. So Steelers and the Panthers will cover both teams in about a five minute span. All right. So Steelers. Here's the issue with the Steelers. Um, <coughs> they have an offensive issue. And yeah, their line's terrible. Yeah, the line is horrible. And how many bubble screens are you going to throw to Deontay Johnson? <laughs> I, I just... Listen, Najee Harris is off to a slow start. I know that everybody expected a lot out of him, including He had a better game last week. He did. He had a better game last week, and he's playing literally 100%. They should use him more in the past game than they are right now. 100%. Um, but man, Ben Roethlisberger, dude, he really holds this team back. I, I just... I don't think he has... He, no, nah, he's the, he's washed. He's a year. It's a year. It's a year past past he's, the expiration date on him. He's, I, I he, mean, he's washed. He is. I, I he's washed. There's really no other way to he's say. He's not it. pushing the ball downfield. There's talent all around him. And granted, like yeah, the offensive line isn't great, but man, their offensive line is still better than half the offensive lines in this league. And their defense is otherworldly. Their I mean, defense is very good. Granted, they would have lost. They lost T.J. Watt, and if they had T.J. Watt, they win that game maybe. But, man, Ben Roethlisberger, do you think – I'm going to throw this out there really quick for everybody to hear. Do you think at any point this year we see Dwayne Haskins? No. Wow, that was emphatic. Emphatically, I was not no. Because this team's not better with Dwayne Haskins in there. That's, That's easy. I can tell you that right off the bat. Because Dwayne Haskins isn't a mobile quarterback. He's Ben Roethlisberger. This team needs a mobile quarterback. They need a 21st century quarterback. Yeah. Somebody who could push the ball downfield, too. He and Ben's just not getting it done. So no, no. You know who I could see? You know what? I'm not even gonna bring it up. No, just say it. You can't. You can't. Come on. Wow, Joe. Just are you? Are you gonna say Deshaun Watson? No, that would be (laughs) that would be nuts. I was gonna bring up Cam Newton, but that would only bar a situation where I think Ben gets hurt. Yeah, I think I think Cam will be on a team by the end of the year. Cam may be on Washington. In a couple of weeks. Might be in Miami. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. You want to move to Carolina? Let's move to Carolina Perth, for a minute. Where Cam will not be. <laughs> well, where he was. Yeah, right? They look great. Uh, yeah. And more specifically, their defense looks fantastic. Unbelievable. Very, very good. Now, don't get me wrong. They haven't, they haven't played world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. Saints aren't no slouch, but they made Jameis Winston look like Jameis Winston last week. And they, it's funny because they kind of, they really embarrassed the Saints and they almost like, they like barely beat the Jets, even though they got out to a 19 nothing lead yeah. on the Jets. But uh, I, you got to like what you see from Donald. You got to like what you see from McCaffrey and the defense, even though he's young. Uh, I like what I see. I mean, uh, this week. Um, They're playing the Texans on Thursday night. Oh, right. Without Tyrod Taylor, who's on IR again. Dave, yeah, Davis Mills. Davis Mills is starting his first career start. I mean, the Panthers have a legitimate chance to go 3-0. They have a legitimate shot to go 3-0 and this season. And they and you know what's funny, too, is like it's not just like a... I, 
We were on this. We were on this. We felt like there was a. You had them making the playoffs, did you not? No, I had them going. I think like seven and. I had them going seven and ten. Yeah, I had them. I think going seven. But I was like, we were like, we like the vibe, right? We like something about this team, but we couldn't put our finger on it. They're just young. They're just a young team. They're aggressive. They're young. They're fast. Very fast. Uh, and I like what Matt Rule's done. I really, really do. You know, but Sam Donald looks good. Yeah, I, I mean, he looks good. He let's not let's he's not you know he's not a top ten quarterback right now. He looks good. He's doing yeah. the job he needs to do. Comfortable. Uh, that offense still through, runs through McCaffrey. Of course. So let's be serious there. But uh, their de- it's their defense for me. For me, it's the defense. The defense was in the bottom of the barrel last year, and they have taken a massive. Massive leap this year. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what they have Thursday. I forget who's doing that game, me or you. I think you did last Thursday night. I think I'm doing it. You did last Thursday night? It's one of us. If you did last Thursday night, I think it's my turn then. Was I? I think it's my turn. Yeah, it might be. I think it's my turn. We'll be covering that game live, step for step on tomorrow night. At PSP Pod. Uh, At PSP Pod, so stick with us. Um, That being said... John, you want to move into uh, some in-depth coverage of a couple of these games on uh, on Sunday? Yeah, let's do it. So let's talk first. Let's let's get this out of the way. Let's rip the Band-Aid off. Let's go Arizona-Minnesota first. Oh, God damn it. 34-33, Arizona in their home opener. Um, the game kind of went back and forth for a while. Minnesota got out to an early lead. Yeah. Then Arizona came back, and they went back and forth. Kyler Murray did Kyler Murray things. Especially the 77-yard touchdown pass to Rondale Moore, which was re- incredible. Also, like, his back foot is just kind of insane. And then the end of the game, the Vikings have a prime opportunity to win the game. And Greg Joseph doinks a 37-yard field goal. Chip shot. And they lose the game. I'm going to turn it over to my skull buddy here. Mm-hmm. So he could kind of talk about this uh, in detail. Uh, let me ask you first. What went wrong... With Minnesota. All right, so here's the thing, and dare I say this, and oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying this, Joe. You you should stop drinking your water before I say Okay, this. talk to me. I stopped to put it down. Kirk Cousins looks good. Oh, God. I, like, I can't believe I'm saying it right now, but he's taking care of the football. He's making all the throws he needs to make. This isn't an offensive issue. The what is offense it? is really good. The defense is fucking putrid. We cannot cover anyone, man. There's not a soul we can cover. It seems like... Their secondary is really poor. Yeah, and like, I mean, Dantzler took a step back. What happened to him? I have no idea. He's just lost. Losing Anthony Harris was a pretty big deal. Harrison Smith, I mean, he's Harrison Smith, but at the same time, he can't cover everybody. Anthony Barr's out. Right. Where's Lance Kendricks? Everson Griffin's out. Daniil Hunter had a huge day. He had three sacks. I mean, he's going to do his thing. But... This defense that was like vaunted for us for so long, we don't have a defense. And our offense is just is so good. Like we could possibly have a top five de- offense in the NFL, <sighs> dare I say it, because of all the pieces and what we could be. But man, the defense is just terrible. And I, I think you were right last week when you said that Zimmer's lost his locker room. And the fact that, listen, I mean, we're talking about a one point loss. We're talking about a field, uh, a field goal missed. Shouldn't be in that position anyway. And granted, some of the play calling down the stretch was a little weird. Like, I think it was the second to last play before the field goal or the last play before the field goal. They ran like a 
almost like a small out route, like three yards past the line of scrimmage. It's like, you know, just take a shot. Like it's a one point game. Like it probably don't want to turn the ball over. I get that. But then, you know, you have this, there's a stigma within Minnesota of kickers missing field goals. I mean, it's just happening. I mean, forever. here's the thing in that, in that situation, I think a lot of teams, I see a lot of teams in that situation and the common theme play call seems to be, did they have a timeout left? Or no? I was so lost, honestly. <laughs> I don't remember. Well, if they have a timeout left, the idea is you roll out to the left or to the right, whichever whichever, whichever arm, quarterback, right-handed roll out to the right, left-handed roll to the left. Yeah. And the idea is you roll out because once you're out of the pocket, if you have nobody open, you throw it away and you're done, right? And then you kick from wherever you are. Yeah. If you have an opening, you pass to the ball, you go down, call a timeout, kick the field goal, whatever. If they didn't have a timeout, then I kind of agree with you. Send someone deep, throw it in the end zone, either throw it in the either he's open and you throw and you throw it to him, or he's not, and you just throw it to the back of the end zone where nobody could get it. One or the other. Because you're not gonna get an intentional ground. Right. Ball, so. One or the other. If the guy's in play, you're not gonna No, it's fine. I think I remember at the beginning of the year, before the year started, I said there was one team that I thought was gonna really, really suffer this year, and I said it was Minnesota, and I think we're starting to see that a little bit. Things aren't getting easier for them. Next week, they play Seattle. They play a pissed-off Seattle team at home. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a tough ask for them. I think that's a tough ask. They could fall 0-3. I think if if Seattle were to would have won that game against Tennessee, and we're going to hit that game next, if Seattle would have beaten Tennessee on Sunday, I'd say maybe this is an upset special. You could catch Seattle sleeping. But the way Seattle lost on Sunday, you're going to get their A game. And I think Russ might have a huge day against that secondary. And the Vikings can't stop anybody. And I think, uh, I really think it's trouble time in Minnesota. Um, there's something to be had. They may have the, they, you know, I'm not going to say that yet. I'm not going to say that yet. I was going to say they may have the worst team in that division, but I don't think we're there yet. No, I don't think we're there. I think I think the fact that they their offense is just so potent, I feel like it keeps them alive. But listen, if this team falls to 0-3, 0-4, man, that's sad. That's well, sad. if that's the case, then I think that's what you need as a franchise to justify a couple things. One, moving on from Zimmer. Two, moving on from Kirk Cousins. Three, stripping it down altogether and just rebuilding the whole thing. I think... For teams that were stuck in mediocrity for so long, the team like Minnesota has been, you either have to you either have to take that leap and go to the next level, or you just completely sink and you start over. It's either one or the other. You don't you you only could be in me- mediocrity for so long, and I think they're finally. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna end up sinking. Reality's I, gonna hit. I hope. I hope they surprise me. But and for Arizona, who boy? I mean. For for the record, folks, they were third in our power rankings this this week. Oh, we should, we got to go over that. Yeah, they were uh, our one. Our number one was Tampa Bay. Our number two was L.A. Rams, and our number three was the Cardinals. Number four, the Chiefs. Number five, I think, was the Bills. And I mean, the Cardinals look great. Yeah, dude, Kyler. they look great. I know it's two weeks, but you know the offense looks really good. Um, Hopkins being added to that offense just adds a whole different element. Uh, Kyler looks like he's really taking the next step. Like, I'm talking like a Josh Allen level next step for Murray. 
Um, yeah. If you if we remember those first two years, Josh Allen was in the league. We were like, uh, could be a boss. Maybe, maybe this guy's not it. And then year three, which was last year, he completes up the league by storm. Went to the AFC title game. So I'm thinking it's a trend. You're I, sensing a trend here. I'm thinking we may get some similarities here with Kyler Murray this season. Um, that division's tough, for sure. And I think you're gonna find out a lot about this team in those division games. I would love to see them play that Ram defense. I want to see it. That's gonna be a hell. I want to see it. 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 Because Kyler Murray is Lamar Jackson with a better arm. You just took a thought right out of my head. Which, when we get to, we're going to go over that game, right? Because, like, briefly, because yeah. I, I wanted to say something. But yes, he is. He is. He's Lamar Jackson with a better arm and he's got better accuracy. Yep. I said that. You're asking me right now, I take Kyler Murray over Lamar Jackson. 185%, Joe. I'm not even hesitating. But here's my one reservation about the about the Cardinals before we move on. They did this last year. They started off hot last year, cooled off at when Murray got hurt, and then it was just kind of like. Well, I think they know where they are, right? They have J.J. Watt. They brought in A.J. Green. They have Chandler Jones who's getting up there in age. You know, you have a lot of veterans on this team now. A lot. And I think Cliff Kingsbury said, hey, guys, either now or never. Zayvon Collins looked great, but right. I mean, great. listen, we love Zayvon Collins coming out of the draft. So yeah, we did. I mean, and as for the game, I think there now we've we've been two weeks now where Kyler Murray has made huge plays with his feet to extend the play and then make a really heroic pass to really turn the game around. Week one, it was that it wasn't a touchdown pass. Week one, it was that pass he made in Tennessee where he was dead to rights and literally danced his way out of a sack and threw a dart of a first down. And that kind of really turned the tide on that game. That was early on. And then last week, he does the same thing and he throws that 77-yard touchdown pass to Rondale Moore. And I felt like ever since that happened, completely turned the game on its head a little bit. Yep. And, you know... There's something to be said for guys who make plays. Yeah, they're fun to watch, right? They fu- and they always find a way to make that play in the most clutch moment of the game. And Kyler seems to have done that over the past two weeks. This week, um, I don't know. Let's see who they have this week. They have Arizona's playing. Uh- they're playing a bad team. Arizona. Oh, they're playing the Jaguars. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they're playing the Jaguars in Jacksonville, Oof. and folks. Oh, wow. It's going to be a track meet, huh? Uh, that game could get ugly um, <laughs> quick. What's the line on that? Seven and a half. Um, what? The reason it's seven and a half is because that, this is my last point, Cardinal defense isn't that good. Yeah, it's true. It could be a little bit of a shootout for a Cardinal while. Cardinal, some people are making jokes and saying, Urban Meyer is finally going against the college coach. He, he's probably going to win this weekend. Oh, so- my God. <laughs> What's his record against Cliff Kingsbury in college? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. but That is good. Um, we'll see. I think Carl's going to put up a big, a big, big number on. The Jaguars don't have anybody to cover DeAndre Hopkins. They don't have anybody uh, who could contain Kyler Murray on on, on QB scrambles. Um so that's going to be a tough ask for that Jaguar defense, I think. 
Um, let's go to Seattle. Let's talk about the Titans taking down the Seahawks, in which a game they needed to win. Yeah, they I were, felt like they were down by double digits. Down one. by double digits. Derrick Henry just <laughs> flicked it on in the second half of that game. Through six quarters, he had not been good at all. No, there was a point when I sent out a tweet where I was like, oh, it's 2.7 yards per carry. He's ran it like 14 times for 35 yards or something. Yeah, and then he just completely flipped the game on its head and he just went nuts. Um, And that's the greatness of Derrick Henry, right? Like, But this is my issue with Tennessee. This is my problem. Right? When Derrick Henry doesn't do that, they're not a good football team. You're correct. When Derrick Henry doesn't say, like, okay, I'm going to be Superman right now, they're not a good football team. Their defense is bad. It's not even average. It's bad defense. It is not a good... It is not a championship caliber defense. And when Derrick Henry is not doing... Derrick Henry things, okay? And let's be honest, the Seattle Seahawks defense and the Arizona Cardinal defense are not world-beating defenses. No. Average, if that. Okay? And they play another average defense on Sunday, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. And they're game they're probably going to win because no Carson Wentz, and they're the better team. Right? And for the Titans, it's not about the regular season, right? The Titans are the clear best team in the AFC South. There's no debate about that. They're going to make the playoffs, barring a a catastrophic injury. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be one of the seven teams in the AFC who would chance to go to Super Bowl. But, you know, they're not even in... Here's the difference. They're not... Right now, they're not even in the same stratosphere as Buffalo. They're not in the same stratosphere as uh, Kansas City. Um, They're not even in the same stratosphere as Cleveland. And I'll tell you right now, through two weeks, I'm more impressed... With teams like L.A., the Chargers, mm-hmm. I'm more impressed with um, you know a Baltimore who, even though they lost, they played it. They beat a. They came back and they beat a very good Chiefs team at home on Sunday night and found a way to win. Right, I've been more impressed with Vegas. I can't believe we're even saying that, which is insane. Insane. But I'm not impressed. I, listen, they won a game they needed to win, so there's something to be said for that. They went into a very hostile environment. They were down by double digits, and they won a football game. But I am worried about this team for the long haul. I'm worried about this team if Derrick Henry doesn't do what Derrick Henry's supposed to do. And everyone's worried about, oh, well, if you put 12 guys in the box, you got to have Julio and A.J. Brown one-on-one. Okay, and? They, they're not a surefire, like, beat your man. A.J. Brown is struggling. To start the season. I think he's hurt. And Julio is... I mean, do we? are we going to say it? Joe is literally shaking his head. Do you want me to say it? You could say it. Is he washed? I don't know, but <laughs> he's not having a great start. He's not Julio. Sure. He's not getting separation, that's for sure. Well, Titans have a lot of explaining to do. They have a game this week, and they're currently five and a half point favorites against the Colts on Sunday. That line might grow if Wentz does not play, which is likely becoming more and more likely. Yeah, two sprained ankles. How do you even do that? Uh, please. <laughs> uh, everyone was thrilled he came back from the the, the leg injury. <laughs> just to get another And leg. just to get his ankles de- depleted by week three. Um, injury report, Carson Wentz, everything. The guy's just made of literal, literal paper. Um, 
I swear to God. It's like not even a tissue paper. It's made of fucking... You just literally take a light and just put... the. That's Carson Wentz's season. It just slowly burns until there's nothing left. <laughs> That's so sad. It's the truth. It's like so depressing. Um, Can we talk about Seattle? Yes. How do you blow that game? It's just ho-hum for them, though. That's the thing. It's ho- This is what they see Hawks are. This is why I can't take them... Like the Titans, I can't take them seriously. Like, I want to love Seattle. I want to love Seattle. Because is it because you love Ross? Like, come on. Well, Russ is a great quarterback. He's a great guy, too. But it's just like, this team, they pull wins out of their ass sometimes. And you're like, well, how did they win that game? Then they blow games out of their ass. And you're like, how the hell did they lose that game? Yeah. They don't make sense. I feel like that's a team that is lacking a killer instinct. They need a guy on that team. And I'm going to say it. They need a guy like Richard Sherman on that team. Interesting. And Pete Carroll already said that they're not talking to him, and I think that's a massive mistake. You bring a guy like that back into Seattle, what that does, one, that re-energizes the fan base because they love Richard Sherman. Number two, I think that re-energizes that defense a little bit because he's still got something left. Number three, even if he's not that great, he's a veteran leader who in that locker room who's been to multiple Super Bowls with multiple teams. He went to a Super Bowl with San Francisco. He went to two Super Bowls with Seattle. Knows how to win. Knows knows what it takes to win. And he's like that. I feel like he won't let that that stuff happen. He won't let that defense like fade the way it did on Sunday. He won't let it happen. I agree. So that's, I think Seattle is lacking a backbone. Yeah, and it's not, I don't think Pete Carroll's really uh, giving much of a backbone to that team. I feel like they are. Carroll's there. a player's coach, so he's not going to do anything that's going to upset the players too much. Let's. We have two more games to cover. Let's move. before we, I'm going to oh, – let's do the Ravens-Chiefs one last. Let's go to Dallas and L.A. Um, Hell of a game. That was a great game. Fantastic game. Um, and I think the thing I want to talk about here – is I want to talk about Tony Pollard. It's a couple of guys. Yeah, Tony Pollard's one of the main ones. I think Tony Pollard could be a starter in this league. I really do. Do you feel like this is a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt sort of situation? I think it's a scenario, and you're going to call me crazy here, but I think this is a scenario where when Zeke's contract is over, I don't think they resign him. No. Because I think they like, they really like Pollard. And the... He just runs so hard. Well, you know what it is, too? I think they said at the beginning of the year that they really liked... They wanted to give the ball to Pollard more. They've committed to that um, throughout the first two weeks. Uh, You know, but I will say this. We said last week the Dallas defense was better, even though they gave up 30 points to Tampa Bay, and they played very well on Sunday against a potent Charger offense. They played a really, really good game. They did. Uh, Micah Parsons on played Sunday. on the edge. Micah Parsons it looks like a, a steal at 10 right now for Dallas. Three pressures. He's been great. Uh, CeeDee Lamb is definitely taking that next step. Uh I think he's definitely a top 10 wide receiver by the end of the season. Um, 
you know, Cooper, Bruce Ribs, we'll see if he plays on Monday. Uh, you know, and and uh, I think you know Dallas needed that win, and they'll get through 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 the first two weeks of the season. I think they're they're as strong as a football team I think as they've been in the past couple of seasons. I said last week I wanted Dallas to, I wanted them to show me that they could carry over a good performance from week to week, right? Mm-hmm. And they did that, and I want to see them do that again on Monday night against Philadelphia because that's a team where they that's a team that they should beat. Yes. Right? And in previous years, this is a game where you're like, okay, starting to feel good about Dallas. And then they lay an egg on Monday night. And I'm gonna keep saying it until I see them win like string like three or four wins in a row. You know? Yeah, you can't go back and forth. Right. You can't go back and forth. You gotta keep it going. Dax looked good. He didn't look great on Sunday. He looked okay. Charge defense is good. It's not great, but it is definitely good. Um but I like what I've seen from Dallas so far, especially on the defensive side of the yeah. football. I just I want to point out something really quick. Sure. And, and I'm glad you said that with the with the defense. I think the MVP of this team right now isn't a player. I don't think it's a player. I think it's Dan Quinn. I think it's Dan Quinn. I think that you brought in somebody who, granted, I think he was a terrible head coach, but I think he was a really good coordinator. I mean, we're talking about a guy who coached the Legion of Boom. N- Nor Nor Norv Turner was Norv Turner was uh, a horrible head horrible coach. head coach, and he's a phenomenal offensive coordinator. Yeah. So like. You bring Dan Quinn in, and I mean, we're seeing a night and day difference. I know it's only two games, but man, there is definitely a difference for this team. Like, this defense is significantly better. And I don't think last year the offense was the issue. I think, okay, before we move on from them, it's like a Minnesota Vikings issue. I don't think the offense was the issue. I think the offense is potent. I think the offense is good. I think you have two really good receivers. Three of Gallup is healthy. And you have two really good running backs and a quarterback that could actually throw the ball and is a 21st century quarterback. The defense last year was terrible. Dak was throwing the ball 60 times a game because he needed to keep up because they were just they were hemorrhaging points, hemorrhaging yards. Now it keeps them within striking distance. The yeah. It's good enough to keep them within, And the offense is good to strike. Like this is a good Dallas team. I think we might have underrated them a little bit. At the so of the well, so far they got to keep it up. You know, uh, I what I've learned about the Cowboys over the past few years is you know don't take what they are at face value. Have to wait for a little while to see what happens. But I do like what they've done. And with the Chargers, um, the Chargers are going to be a team that's in a lot of close games this year. I think that they're a good football team. They've played two good football teams to start the year. They play another very good football team on Sunday. They play Kansas City, um, uh, which all of a sudden becomes an, a hugely important game early in the season because, you know, with Vegas playing Miami on Sunday mm-hmm. without Tua at home, this is a real opportunity. Vegas um, they moved to three and goes to 3-0. And the loser of this Chiefs, there's a real opportunity that Denver goes to 3-0 and on Sunday. They're playing the Jets at home. There's a real opportunity. Not only is a real opportunity, the, the loser of the Chief uh, Charger game is going to be in last place after three weeks. And they're going to be two games back of the lead in the AFC West. Um, You know, and uh, listen, I think the Chiefs are going to win Sunday against the Chargers. So I think the Chargers' back's going to be up against the wall, but I think they're a really good football team. I think their defense is very good with everybody healthy, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, um, all these guys, and their offense is good. We saw Eckler get in the passing game 
this week. He caught nine balls. He and got more involved. Got more involved. Mike Williams has been excellent through the first two weeks of the season. Um, And Keenan Allen's doing really good things. I want to see Herbert throw the ball more down the field more, I think, for me. A little bit of a step back with that. For, right? for, for my liking, I want to see him take some more chances, I think. Um... But you know, I think I think. Listen, the Chargers played a good game. They played. They lost at home, so that's never a good. That's never what you want to do. Um, but they have a chance to really rebound this week. And I think they're going to be fine. I, I don't know. They're going to. My main thing is that they're going to. From what I got from the, they're going to be in a lot of close games this year. And Brandon Saley's a good coach. Yeah, from what I could see. <clears throat> Definitely. All right, let's move on to our last game of the week before we get to our to preview our game of the week, and that's the Chiefs and Ravens game. Now, John, I'm gonna let you take the take the take the forefront on this because I really didn't watch this game. Okay. So let me know what your thoughts are with this. Let's start with Baltimore because they when Lamar Jackson and the whole offense and everything like that. So it's interesting when you brought up Kyler Murray before, right? Like you brought up Kyler Murray and you were saying that he's a better version of Lamar Jackson as a passer, right? I think Lamar in the beginning of that game, was trying too hard. I think we said this about him in week one. He was trying too hard to be a passer. He's throwing horrible interceptions. Like, And and we're not even saying like... Yeah, he threw two picks in the first quarter, right? Yeah, and one of them was like right to Tyron Matthew. One of them was a second pass of the game. Like, it's just, they're bad picks. Lamar Jackson is best when you let Lamar Jackson play his game. And this is what they finally did. Here's the issue. They won the game. Granted, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire doesn't fumble that ball. They lose that game. I still don't like the Ravens. I'm not like going to be on this high horse like everybody else's and go, whoa, the Ravens are back. Lamar Jackson, wow. Like, no, they still have a fundamental issue. Like, <laughs> they cannot throw the football. And and that's a problem for me. Granted, Hollywood Brown has took a major step forward this year. Major step. But, man, they definitely still struggle. But, man, are they also deadly when Lamar can run the football. It's a conundrum. It's it's the it's the weirdest thing because again now we're going into week three. I'm still lost. I think even if this team still made the playoffs, I'd still be lost. And I think that this team has a. I don't even want to say it. I feel like they have a two hundred like fifty million dollar question mark. I I just I don't know. They won the game. Listen, he had some crazy passes. I mean, like that jump pass was awesome. Like that's something that you never want to do, though. Like I know, like in. Any normal situation, you don't want to do that. But he's just such an unorthodox player. Yeah. And it's weird because, like, with Kyler Murray, I saw that leap. And with Lamar, I have not seen that leap. I've seen the same player for the last It's crazy. Years. We're talking about a guy who won an MVP. I know. He hasn't taken that step forward as a passer. And I feel like it's almost like he regressed. But he's, like, still such a good runner that, like, he keeps you in games. Like, you're telling me when they went for our fourth and one, Lamar wasn't going to get one yard. Right. No, Lamar's I'm with you. Yard. He's getting 10. I'm with you. I'm just like, I'm still so lost on this team. And and one of the major differences that I noticed when I watched this game was I got Tyson Williams more involved. Mm. Tyson Williams played great. Um, Latavius Murray is just like a ball stopper almost, it seems like. <laughs> but like they do some good things, but I'm still just kind of lost. And I feel like that if Edward Tolera doesn't fumble that ball and you leave the hands in the best quarterback in the NFL's hands, they lose that game and they're 0-2. And now we're like, mm. you know. Do you think it's a little bit of a facade? I think it's a little bit of a facade, of course. The Ravens next week uh, take on the Detroit Lions in Detroit. Um, they should win that game. I feel like that could be a trap game, but that's just my personal opinion. I don't. I agree with you. I feel uh, like every game for them could be a trap game. But uh, 
Anything on the Chiefs there? Nah, I don't think this loss is anything to really worry about. I, I really don't. I mean, I just... If they if they lost two straight, I'd be like, all right, what's going on? But, I mean, like, I don't think they're going to. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the Chiefs, with the Chiefs, it's as business as usual. I think if they could find the way... And we spoke about it. I spoke about it earlier. If they could find a way to get this kid going in any sort of way consistently, they're that much better. Who, Clyde Edwards are like? Yeah, I think they're that much better. I think their defense is okay, but I don't love their... I don't... They struggle with. They struggle in pass in against a good pass defensive team, pa- uh, against a good passing offense. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Jones is good and against the run. I think they got a couple of nice guys against the run, but. <clears throat> They just need the defense to keep them in games. They don't need them to win them any games. But this has been the tail of the tape, though, with Kansas City. They've had, like, a horrendous defense. And then their offense is just so good. It's like Mahomes is just a human eraser. You're going to tell me you're down 14 with, like, six minutes left? You're not like, all right, maybe they're coming back into it. (laughs) I mean, be honest, though. I know. You don't see that? Yeah, they score, but then you need to start from the D. And then they magically get that weird stop. And then you got – now he's not the honey badger anymore. He's just the badger. As Andy Reese says, now he's the Badger. Yeah, um, he's graduated. I mean, he's—it's, I don't know. You like this could be their only loss all year. I think. I think that game against LA Sunday is going to be a real good one. I really do. I think it's going to be a good game. Oh yeah, them for against sure. the Chargers. <clears throat> all right, What's that's the line on that. By the way, do you the, have that? The line, yeah. Give me one sec. The line on that game is six and a half. That's big. Wait, Chargers at home? Chiefs at home. Chiefs at home, six and a half. Mm-hmm. That is a pretty big line. I don't know if I like that line. Okay. So let's. what we're going to do really quick before we go to our picks in our fantasy segment, we're going to preview PSP's game of the week. For week three. For week three. And just so happens that this week, our game of the week, um, and this game is at 425, and it's going to take place in Los Angeles. And it features uh, Perfect Spiral's number one and number two power rank teams. And that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Los Angeles Rams. What's, and what's the line on that? The line is the the Bucks favored by a point and a half on the road in LA. Whoa. The immovable object against the unstoppable force, which is the, the unstoppable force being the Bucks offense and the immovable object being the Rams defense. John Or just Aaron Donald. What are you looking for in this game? What are you looking for? Offensively from Tampa Bay. All right, so let's just let's just get it out of the way now. This could be an NFC Championship preview. I think so. I think that there is a good chance this is the NFC Championship. I think I I said before this 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 was my NFC title game pick. Yeah. Um. I think the main thing I I I'm curious to see is how this defense covers those receivers. Granted, AB we saw today he's on the COVID list. He's but, positive actually, so oh. he's probably not unless he has oh. two negative tests before Sunday. He's probably not playing. Sunday. Okay, chances are AB's not playing. Not like that really changes much. Um, because he's just a luxury for them. It seems yeah. like. I want to see how this defense covers Godwin. I mean, Evans is forget it. He is useless this week. His boogeyman is Jalen Ramsey. See, I don't know about that. I don't know. Oof. I don't know. I don't trust that. If you've watched the Rams for the past couple of weeks, what you'll notice is the Rams are using Jalen Ramsey as a floater. Yes, he is floating a lot. So he's not going to stick on Evans 
all the time. I mean, Brady's smart enough to notice that, though, no? Yes. Yes. I think in goal line situations or times inside the 20, I think the Rams are going to say, Jalen, I want you to cover Mike Evans. Because he's the big yeah. he's the big threat, you know? For me, the big thing for me going into this, into this game, and this is something that uh, the Rams struggled with last week, and that's defending the tight end. Rob Gronkowski's got four touchdowns in two games. He's been a red zone target, and he's getting targeted. And we've watched, over the course we watched on Sunday night, and it happened again last week, the Rams are vulnerable in the middle of the football field. They give you that middle of the football field. Brady's going to take that all day long. They need to get... Brady's kryptonite is getting to the getting to the quarterback. Aaron Donald will be humongous in this game. Huge. Yeah. He will need to get to the quarterback on many, many occasions. And I think, you know, for the for the for the for the Bucks, they're gonna want to establish the run. They're gonna want to feed off play action pass. Because if they're dropping back 55 times, I don't think they're winning this game. No, and I think they're going to use their running backs as, as blockers quite a bit on the play action. I think they will. I think Fournette has established himself as the number one running back in that offense. We both thought Rojo was going to have a big game last week. He was barely used, I feel like. Yeah, right, and he was a starter, and he just <coughs> faded away. I feel like he wasn't used at all. I think Fournette's taken, taken a step as the lead back in that, which is fine. <clears throat> but uh, I think the Ram defense, I think I think they have a challenge on their hands. I think... I think I'm intrigued to see how they do the, how they use the middle of the field. I'm intrigued because one thing you know they they don't have to worry about Tom Brady going and running off. You know, no, you know they just need to get to the quarterback. But you know what's my biggest concern though with this game overall? Tell me, please. My biggest concern. You know what's funny is you're talking about the Rams defense. My biggest concern is the Bucks defense. I don't know if they could cover those guys deep like that. It's interesting you say that because they're missing Murphy Bunting and I think they're going to be missing Carlton Davis too. Yeah, I don't... And Carlton both Davis had a huge game last week. Both of their starting corners, yeah. So, like, how do you cover, like, Cooper Cup, who's been absolutely tearing it up? Robert Woods has been a little bit of a disappointment so far, but, man, Cooper Cup is just all over the... You... Stafford drops back to pass and Cooper Cup just seems like there's nobody within 15 yards man. I thought Robert Woods was going to be that guy, but it ended up being Cooper Cup. <laughs> what a miss by both of us. So, uh, Cooper Cup has been the best fantasy receiver through the first two weeks of the year. Like, and it's by a lot. Um, so, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really intrigued to see how this game turns out. I'm not going to pick this game. Do you have any uh, any any? I'm not going. I'm not picking this as one of my spread games because I just. But what do you think? Who do you think is going to win? Man, this is tough. I think I had the Rams winning this game in my preview. Yeah. When we did our standings preview, I'm going to stick with it. I think the Rams actually win this game. I don't. I don't think it's any cause for concern for the Bucks. I just think that this is going to be. This is one of the biggest games of the year for them because the Bucks have a soft schedule, and this is a this is a hard game. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. This is one of those games where I feel like you you lose it in the regular season and then you win it in the post. I I, I think this game's bigger for the Rams than it is for Tampa, like you said. Yeah, I think Tampa's going to use this game as like almost like like let's get better this week type of deal. Yeah, yeah. whereas the Rams are going to be like, hey. 
let's establish ourselves as the clear-cut favorite in the NFC. Yeah. Like Sean McVay's pulling out all the stops. And, and I really think you hit the nail on the head with the corners. I think that defense is going to struggle with, with, with the corners this weekend um, against that against the Ram passing offense. Uh, at the same time, you know, I think it's gonna. I think I think it's a close game. I think it's a. I think it's a three to six point game. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be a good one, though. I really think so. That's our preview uh, game of the week: Ram, uh, Bucks at Rams uh, on Fox, four twenty five start. That should be the eight o'clock game. Well, speaking of the eight o'clock game. Actually, I got nothing going on with there. Uh, I got nothing there. <laughs> that, should, that should be the. What is the eight o'clock game? It's the Packers and the Niners. It's not a bad game. It's not a bad game, but man, not a bad game. Um, let's get to our fantasy sleepers and busts this week. Woo! All right, let's go. So, Perfect Spiral was five for eight last week on fantasy sleepers and busts. We hit on Taylor Heineke. We hit. On Zach Pascal for sleepers. We missed on Trevor Lawrence, and that was me being greedy. Mm-hmm. And we missed on Ronald Jones. For the busts, we continue to nail down the busts this season. Uh, we are so far, we are six for seven on busts this year. We nailed Matt Ryan. We nailed uh, DJ Chark. We nailed. Um, Elijah Mitchell, and we only missed on Austin Eckler because that was a very dumb decision by John to even consider Austin Eckler being a bust last week. But yeah. I digress. <laughs> but I digress. He knows that Austin Eckler is my son, and he refu- and he just, you know. Wow, now he's your son. He's my son. At, one of the guys cool. in our fantasy league put a player on the, dra- on the trade block, DK Metcalf, and I inquired because... You know, I have Russell Wilson, and I was like, well, you know, let's see. What's the deal with Metcalf? And I think I offered a solid deal. I offered – he said he was looking for running backs. So I offered Leonard Fournette. I offered a third-round pick. Joe is trying to move off of Lenny so hard. Uh, I Well, you know, I offered Lenny. I offered a third-round pick, and I think I offered, like, Tyler Boyd to compensate for the receiver, him losing the receiver. Wow, that's actually not a bad trade. And he said, I want Eckler. Okay, timeout. I messaged him about what he wanted, and if he would have turned around and told me, like, I want Najee Harris, I would have laughed my ass off. So, I, I, he said, Eckler. I said, no, Eckler's my son. <laughs> I can't trade my son. Jesus uh, Christ. So Did Trevor Lawrence wave himself from your team after you said no, that? No, Trevor Lawrence is my baby. Uh, he's my infant. This is creepy. And Austin Eckler's my son. Can we stop? All right, let's we'll <laughs> This is so weird. <laughs> this is oh my god. We need to put a warning on that. Oh, we really do. Um, <laughs> he's my infant child. Jesus Christ, a grown ass man with very nice hair is your infant child. Yes, he is. All right, all right. So, uh, do you want to do? Do you want to do what we did last week? Go back and forth. You want to? You let's go by position this week. All right. Yeah, I'm just. Still moving past the, jo- the Miglio family tree. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'll start with bust to um, for quarterback this week. I really thought about this one. And I was going back and forth, and my my QB bust this week um, is actually going to be Dak Prescott. Oh, okay. Of the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are going to win this game, 
But let me hit you with some some good old stats here for um, about the uh, Dak Prescott and against the Philadelphia Eagles. Interesting. The Eagles have currently allowed the least amount of passing yards so far in the 2021 season. They have also allowed the least tied for the least amount of touchdowns across for quarterbacks across the 2021 season with one. They've allowed one passing touchdown in two weeks. Um, they are uh, they are allowing passes at a 66% clip, so it's not awful. But they've allowed the least amount of yards. They've allowed one touchdown, and they're only averaging allowing 5.4 yards per pass uh, currently against defenses. Um, and they've only allowed, John, get this. Hmm. They've only allowed, and this is the also the lowest in the league, they've allowed one, one pass of 20 yards or more this year against opposing quarterbacks. Interesting. And they've played, uh, they've played Matt Ryan and they've played Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay? To boot... Dak Prescott, career statistics against the Philadelphia Eagles, a career passer rating of 85.3 with eight touchdowns and seven interceptions in eight career games against Philly. Very average. Very average. So my bust this week for quarterback is Dak Prescott. I think, and we classify bust as a, a quarterback who finishes outside of like the top 12 starting quarterbacks in a 12-man PPR league, and I think Dak Prescott falls out of that 12-man PPR uh, quarterback ranking this week. Do you want to give me my quarterback sleeper? Yes. <clears throat> All right, so my quarterback sleeper this week, and you know what's funny is I, I I, I almost don't want to do this yet because I feel like it's too soon. I figure it's a little bit of like, oh, I'm jumping on the hype. I'm going with <laughs> Justin Fields. I think that Justin Fields is going to have a really, really nice game um, against Cleveland. I don't think the Cleveland defense right now is what we've, what we thought it was. Tyrod Taylor was carving them up before Tyrod Taylor got hurt, um, and they definitely struggled, obviously, against the Chiefs. Justin Fields gives this Chicago team something that Dalton can't do: mobility. And I even feel like he might be more accurate than Andy Dalton. And I feel like he energizes his team. I feel like he has a really, really nice game against Cleveland. Um, he's probably available in a lot of leagues. I mean, at this point, he might not be because after the news dropped, I feel like everybody went to add him. But if he's available, I would pick him up, and I would honestly give him a start. I, I think he might have a really nice game. You think he's going to have a nice game? I mean, I, I looked at it. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was I thought it was like, eh, okay, that's fine. But, you know, like, uh, you know, we could – I think it's. I think that it's an interesting pick. I think it's a bold pick. Matt Nagy could open up the playbook a hell of a lot more. You now. think he's a top twelve quarterback this week, fantasy wise? One hundred percent, he could be. And I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a parallel. When when Jalen Hurts came in last uh, last year, Jalen Hurts lit it up. I feel like you get the same sort of production out of Fields. In this game, especially against a vulnerable Cleveland defense, I don't think they win the game, but I think that they definitely put up some points. That's for sure. Okay, why don't you give me your uh, running back sleeper? Well, I have my uh, let me let me give you wide receiver first. You want to go wide receiver for next? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna okay, give you wide receiver. Wide receiver yeah, so my wide receiver, it's kind of funny. I 
I'm going to go with Allen Robinson. I'm, I'm sticking with Chicago. I, oh, wow. Okay. Allen Robinson has had some pretty lackluster games to start the season. Last week, he had only four targets. Um, he scored a touchdown, but he was basically a non-factor. The first week, he had 11 targets. He, I think he had like 64 yards or something I was looking at. Um, let me just double check that because I want, I want to make sure I'm correct on this. Oh, no. He had 11 targets, six receptions for 35 yards. And then last week he had four four targets, two receptions, 24 yards, and a touchdown. I feel like going into the year fantasy-wise, a lot of people drafted these Chicago players high. David Montgomery, um, Allen Robinson, Cole Komet. They drafted him for this day. You drafted him for the time that Justin Fields became the quarterback. Dar- Darnell Mooney, another guy. You drafted these guys for the day when Justin Fields became the quarterback, and today, this this week is that day. Um, again, going like I said before, going against a Cleveland defense that has been spotty. I could see Allen Robinson having a humongous day. Humongous, humongous. And what's funny is you asked me for a running back sleeper. I actually not to switch this on you like while during the pod. Instead of running back, I have something else for you. Interesting. Yes. Okay. I'm going to give you my wide receiver bust this go week. Go ahead. I think this is this is very bold. Juicy. This is Zeke Elliott week one bold. Oh God, Juicy. okay. Well, I mean, you were correct. So, Tyreek Hill. Interesting. He was held in check last week for almost three quarters. Tyreek Hill, bust, wide receiver against the L.A. Chargers on Sunday. Again, I'm the numbers guy. Let me hit you with some numbers. Okay. Go ahead. Currently. L.A. Chargers have allowed 37 receptions against wide receivers uh, in the NFL. That's good for fourth best in the league. Okay, they have allowed a uh, fourth best 372 yards uh, over the course of two games against wide receivers, which is also top ten. They've only allowed one touchdown to wide receivers all year, um, and they've only allowed a whopping three plays of 20 yards or more through the air to wide receivers. Okay? And they've only allowed over uh, they've only allowed 197 yards of yak. And just to give you context, the worst team in the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys in that category have given up 359 yards of yak this season. Interesting. So it's almost 200 yard difference. On top of that, let's go and take a look quickly at how the Chargers did against their uh, the two teams' number one receivers who they played in week one and week two. Week one, they played the Washington football team. Terry McLaurin in week one had 10 fantasy points on 100% snap of the... Uh, he played 100% of the snaps in week one. Wow. He caught four catches for 62 yards. Right? Okay. That's not wide receiver one stuff. Not even close. In week two, they played the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys, you may argue who their number one receiver is. Their number one receiver is Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper... Played 97% of the snaps, and he had three catches on five targets for 24 yards for a whopping 5.4 fantasy points. So in two weeks, they've allowed 15 fantasy points against the number one receiver on each team. I don't know what they're doing, but if I was a betting man, I'd say that bet might continue against the L.A. Chargers. And I expect Travis Kelsey to have a big game because the Chargers against tight ends allowed a touchdown to Logan Thomas in week one. And they did not play great against Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz in week two. So I expect Travis Kelsey to have a big game, but not 
Tyreek Hill. Wow. I love the numbers breakdown. It's so good. When you're doing things like this, you got to look into the. Why do you think I'm 2 0, bro? Let's relax. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Joe's, I've never seen Joe make so many trades in a fantasy season across multiple leagues. It's pretty crazy. I, I mean, one it. of them was with me. Yes. So Yes. I, I picked 14th, man. I need to make some deals. Yeah, you did pick 14th. All right. So here's, my, here's where I'm switching it up. I'm switching it up. All time. right. Talk to me. So I don't, have a, I don't have a running back sleeper. You don't? I don't. You have a tight end sleeper. I don't have a tight end sleeper. Defense sleeper? I have a defensive sleeper. Oh. How spicy is that? I like that. Spicy. Is it the one that you picked up? It's not. Oh, okay. Who is it? So, wait. I don't know if I picked him up in this league because I picked up one defense and then I picked up a different. Oh, your Panthers? No, yeah. I feel like that's the obvious pick. I feel like that's the pick that everybody was picking up this week. You know what's a team that a lot of people are sleeping on right now? Oh, talk to me. We spoke about them a little bit before. Cowboys defense? No. Oh. The Vegas Raiders. The Vegas oh. Raiders are going against Miami. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett is a starter. Jacoby Brissett could not get anything going whatsoever against Buffalo. They got shut out. I'm the type of guy that likes to switch up my defense every week according to matchup. The Raiders, I can almost guarantee you, are available. Um, I think they're avail- they were only picked up in 3% of leagues mm. in Sleeper. Um Pick them up and start them. I'm telling you. I, I And I actually, I dropped the Rams defense in one league for them because I just like their matchup this week. I don't like what the Rams have going forward. But I'm telling you, Raiders defense against Miami, I feel like Miami's not going to be able to get anything going. I feel like there's an incredibly high chance. Derek Carr is playing this game. Not like that matters for defense. But I think there is an incredibly high chance that the Raiders go to 3-0. and I can't believe we're saying this. Okay. Vegas Raider defense is a sleeper. Now, I think we have to clarify. We're talking like top five defense, top five scoring defense this week? Yeah, let's say top five, top six. Top yeah. five, okay. My running back bust is a guy who I love. But he's going to have a bad game. Is it Austin Eckler? It's not. God, he's my son. <laughs> I have... Defended this man to the ends of the earth. Huh. But he's going to have a bad game this weekend. And that is Joe Mixon. Wow. Joe Mixon will be a running back bust this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> to the really? stats, we go. Do you even need to elaborate on this? Yes, one? I do. <laughs> yes. Pittsburgh Steelers are, are allow- have allowed... 169 yards on 50 carries this year, which is good for 10th in the NFL. They have allowed a whopping 3.38 yards per carry, which uh, is good for, um, hold on, which is good for 6th in the NFL. They have allowed only one, no, zero rushing touchdowns this season. Um, And last week, Peyton Barber uh, had... Uh, well, Kenyon Drake had seven carries for nine yards last week uh, against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Peyton Barber's useless. And uh, Peyton Barber had 13 carries for 32 yards last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Joe Mixon, last year, did he play a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers? Let us find out. Uh, Joe Mixon, last year... In 2020, played no games against the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
So let's look at his career against Pittsburgh. Um, he had 7.9 fantasy points in week number 12 last year. Um, and he had 10 fantasy points uh, in week number 4 in 2019. 15 for 62 and 18 for 79 held to uh, four catches for one yard against Pittsburgh in 2019. And then in the second game, he did not record a catch or even a target in 2019. And in 20... Yeah, okay. So Joe Mixon, I think, is going to struggle on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And that is our sleepers and busts. So sleepers, let's recap. Sleepers are Justin Fields, Allen Robinson, Las Vegas Raiders defense, busts are Dak Prescott, Joe Mixon, and Tyreek Hill. Now, last thing before we go, John. Game Game picks. Game picks. Rapid. John... The professor went four and one last week. I did, and is seven and three on the young season. I again went two and three, and I am four four and six on the year. So, just for the inference, if you don't want to listen to the whole podcast, let's let John go first. So at least you could get the good guys pick so far. John, remember the rules: you picked five games. One of those games must be an upset special. You can pick other upsets, though. Okay. So, rapid fire. Are you ready for this, Joe? Talk to me. We're doing this in like under 60 seconds. So, my first pick is going to be the Cardinals, minus 7.5. Cardinals, minus 7.5. Who are they playing? Oh, frig you. I know. It's okay. Don't get mad. Okay. You're you're sad, aren't you? I am sad. Go ahead. Okay. My second pick, my upset special. Bum, bum. Bears, plus 7.5. Wow, he's riding the whole train. I really am. My next pick is Vegas, minus three and a half. Vegas mm. is, by the way, two and zero oh in regards to the spread. <laughs> um, my fourth pick, mm. boom, boom, is going to be Green, Bla- Green Bay, plus three and a half. Ooh, interesting. Okay. And my final pick, final pick, is going to be Dallas, minus three and a half. Okay. We have we have picked two of the same games this week. Okay. Okay. So maybe you'll actually get two right. You son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So I am going to take the... uh, Where was I going? I'm going to take the New York Giants minus three over the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. So far... Of my four wins, two of them have been picking against the teams who have played against the Falcons. So I am going <laughs> to stick with that trend so far. Okay. Um, I am also taking the Raiders over the Dolphins. I am also taking the Cowboys over the Eagles. Um, I am going to take uh, the Seahawks over the Vikings. Hmm. Uh, you did that purposely, you bastard. No, I didn't, but that was one of my picks. Um, and I need to pick an upset special. So my upset special is going to be wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Um I hope everybody likes my music. Yeah, I know, right? Washington football team plus seven and a half over the Bills. 
Woo! What an upset special from you, Joe. Uh, that is an upset special. That is an upset special. Plus seven and a half for the Washington football team. Yeah, that's going to be a close game. I think it's going like to be a that. close game. So those are, our, those are our picks. Guys, it's been fun. We did this without Spencer, so this should be uploaded rather quickly. Not like we need him anyway. Nah, right? Screw you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We miss you, Spencer. The wedding was absolutely beautiful. I sang at the wedding. Yes, I'd also like to give a shout out to my friend Matthew Kangro, who got married this weekend uh, on Saturday. Mrs. Kangro. Yes. Congratulations to the Kangros getting married this weekend. Um, John. What's up? Episode 31. In the books. In the books, baby. Got any last words? Nah, I'm good. That's it. All right, folks. Enjoy week three tomorrow night. Panthers at Texans. Davis Mills, first career start. Panthers looking to go 3-0 and behind Sammy D. As he's looking to eclipse the amount of wins he got last year in New York in only his third week in the Carolina Powder Blue. So, for John McCarthy, my name is Joe Miglio, and we will come back to you next week after I go 5-0 and with my picks this week. Talk to you guys later. Peace!